Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of the Artist Profile series. Before we get into today's episode, I have a very exciting announcement to make, and that is tickets for the 2019 The Breath and the Clay Creative Arts Gathering are now on sale at thebreathandtheclay.com. If you haven't been to one of our Breath and Clay gatherings before, I encourage you to go to the website and check out some of the details about who we are and what we're about and come join us. The event will be held March 22nd through 24th in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And many of the artists and presenters that we'll be featuring at the event are voices that you've heard here on the podcast in the past. Josh Girls will be joining us, as well as Amina Brown and Emily Freeman, and so many others will be there. And if you aren't familiar with Josh or Amina or Emily, you can go back and listen to my conversations with them. Emily and Amina are both here in season four, and my conversation with Josh is back in season two. And again, that web address is thebreathandtheclay.com. In today's episode, I'm going to venture away from my usual format of introducing a particular figure in history, and I'm going to tell you a story, which I think you'll find inspiring and perhaps even helpful to your creative and spiritual journey. It's a story of something that took place here in our American South during the 1800s. The story is one that for whatever reason has not ventured far past its own rural landscape of Raymond, Mississippi. I first came across this story probably 10 years ago, but it's left such an impression on me that I've continued to tell the story whenever I go and speak. The story is about a little-known Methodist minister named Reverend Preston Cooper. Reverend Cooper bought a plot of land to build a home for his family near Raymond, Mississippi in 1837. He built his home on the crest of a hill and then hired a man to dig a well at the foot of his hill. The man dug down about 30 feet into the ground and struck a solid rock bed so impenetrable that he gave up the work and told Cooper that he could not finish the well. The ground was too hard. And so the work came to a halt. Cooper settled to get his water from a cistern instead of the well and moved on from the idea. However, for the next five months, Reverend Cooper was haunted by a recurring dream in which an angel appeared to him saying, dig, Cooper, dig. Reverend Cooper's own words are recorded about the experience. He said, One night, as I lay on my bed, wrapped in a peaceful and quiet sleep, induced by a consciousness of being at peace with all men, I dreamed that I saw a figure of a man with a familiar face stand before me. And when I looked, the man said, Cooper, resume the digging of your well. Much depends on it. It is all important you should do so. See you do it. And then he vanished. So when I awoke, I could scarcely persuade myself that it had been a dream. So Reverend Cooper hired a second digger who dug down through nine foot thick rock before he hit an even harder layer of rock and couldn't go any further. He told his digger it was okay to stop the process and again quit working on the well. Yet again, 
After two months had passed, the dreams pursued him night after night. And so for a third time, Cooper hired a digger who dug down another 30 feet through solid rock before he declared that this work was foolish and was getting nowhere, and he left the job. After this, Reverend Cooper left for a circuit riding tour, preaching in various cities in the area. And again, he left the work of the well undone. But while Cooper was out on his tour, the dream returned to him again. This time, the angelic figure spoke in a more commanding voice, saying, Cooper, you must finish the well. Hire a fourth digger. Much depends on this. And so the faithful preacher hired a fourth digger who dug 100 feet into the earth and finally struck water. On Friday, September 16, 1841, Reverend Cooper's dreams had come true. His neighbors gathered around the well on the final day of digging, honestly expecting to be disappointed. Reverend Cooper, however, looked down into the well with a great expectation. A few moments later, the digger struck his mattock into the crevice of a rock and water appeared. Cooper said, It looked to me like a bright coin at the bottom of the well, and in answer to my question, What is it? the digger said, It is water but it stinks so bad you could never use it. Cooper was devastated. He didn't understand. Why had his dreams, which seemed so supernatural and seemed so real to him, why had they led him to this dead end and disappointment? He was a poor preacher who had spent so much of his resources hiring these workers in response to what felt like a divine call. The stories vary of what took place next. Some accounts say that Reverend Cooper decided to give the water to one of his sick mules, who then regained its health after several days of drinking the water. Other accounts say that a local doctor drank the water and discovered that it had healing properties to it. But whatever actually took place, Reverend Cooper began to recognize that there were healing properties in this water. From here, word began to get out and people came from everywhere to drink this water. Eventually, the local Jackson News stated that the waters had a high reputation in curing dyspepsia and the various intestinal diseases of long standing in liver complaint, chronic inflammation of the bladder, and malaria. In 1948, less than 10 years after the well's discovery, Reverend Cooper sold part of the land to his brother-in-law, who turned it into a popular resort for wealthy planters and merchants from Mississippi and neighboring states. A hotel was built on the land that became famous for its ballroom parties and shooting gallery and the mint julep drinks they served their guests. In 1851, Cooper's Well drew near 2,000 people who came to witness a political debate taking place on the land's pavilion. Over half of the visitors were unable to be accommodated, and many of them slept on the chairs or in the parlor or on the office floor. Then during the Civil War, Cooper's Well Resort, which it had become, housed Confederate soldiers before they went off to the war until the resort was destroyed by Union troops who burned down the hotel. 
After the war, the land was sold again and a new hotel was built, drawing people from everywhere. Then during the Depression, Cooper's Well became host to a colony of artists, painters, and writers who moved onto the land seeking solitude to focus on their art. Several things stand out to me about this story of Cooper's Well. I'm compelled to ask, what are the recurring dreams in our own lives that we can't escape? What are those nagging provocations that seem so divine and yet as we have pursued them, we've gotten so close to their realization only to hit another layer of rock stopping us from attaining what we know we have been called to accomplish? Do we have the courage and the tenacity to throw all of our resources into a dream that continues to hit rock? Perhaps even making us look foolish to those around us who can't understand why we continue to insist on following the divine call. But just as the angel said to Reverend Cooper, keep digging, you must keep digging. Much depends on this. And so thousands upon thousands of people came from as far as Europe and other parts of the world to be healed and have their lives changed by the result of Cooper's childlike faith to trust in a dream God had given to him to continue in the face of adversity, disappointment, and setbacks. Cooper continued to believe for something that seemed so impossible, so unrealistic, and so uncertain. I don't know that Reverend Cooper ever knew that the realization of his dream touched the wealthy and the poor alike, that it touched politicians and housed artists, or that it gave sanctuary to soldiers in the midst of a civil war. In the same way, we can't possibly see the full scope of what impact our dreams are sure to have. We can only keep going. We can only keep trusting. We can only keep digging deeper and deeper, regardless of the difficulties or the setbacks we face, until finally we hit what we set out to discover. Even if it stinks, just like his water stinks so bad, they didn't think they could use it. Who knows what can be done with what we think stinks and is of no use. Perhaps the wells we dig in our own lives will become a place of refuge and healing. Music for this episode is provided by Abstract in the Sky. You can see the show notes of this episode for links to this music, as well as links to join the Makers and Mystics Creative Collective, and for tickets to the Breath in the Clay Creative Arts Gathering. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in next week for another full interview episode.